at our 10 o'clock service today, we dedicated Jonathan, we dedicated Janelle, you know how I am with names, and we dedicated um, another one. <laughs> And we saw they had stayed, and we're so thankful for that. God bless them in Jesus' name, all of our guests that are with us. For the last few weeks, Pastor has been pastoring. And we're going to continue to do that here today. And uh, the Lord blessed us last Sunday. We learned a little bit about coming out of the world, separating ourselves, and how that the Word of God is very concerned how we present ourselves in this world. Because we, we don't represent this world, we represent another kingdom. And so when we walk amongst this world, not only by our speech and our actions, but by our very physical presentation, they can look and see you're of another kingdom. Don't dress like the world. Don't act like the world. Don't speak like the world. We have separated ourselves, come out from among them, touch not the unclean thing, and he's, the word says he will receive us unto him. And we're going to continue that, not today. We're going to continue that teaching later so that we can have a much broader, stronger, biblical foundation. Because everything that we teach must be founded in the Word of God. It's the only thing that makes it everlasting and non-changing is when it's founded and based on God's God's word. Amen. Well, let's read the verse and then we'll, we'll talk. We're just going to be teaching today. We're going to do our best to teach uh, and not preach. We have a lot to say. And I want you to hear it. And then maybe go home and digest it. Genesis 14 and 20. And bless and blessed be the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. Now this is Abraham having an encounter with Melchizedek, the priest of God with no beginning, no ending, no father, no mother. And Abraham had gone out, Lot had been captured, Abraham had gone out and had rescued Lot, his nephew, all of the possessions. And he has an encounter with the priest of God at the time. We don't have time to get into all of that, just the Bible calls him the high priest. And blessed be the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he, Abraham, gave him Melchizedek, 
tithes of all. Anybody want to guess the subject? You think I'd have chose a different day to take up a second offering. <laughs> and before we pray, I, I do want to say to this wonderful church how honored I am to pastor you. Because when there is a need, you always respond. And I thank you for that. And I know the Lord thanks you for that and appreciates what we've done and I know the people in Puerto Rico are going to thank you for that. That's for sure. Amen. We give God praise. He's so good to us. So, Lord, we come to you today. I stand before your children. Lord, by your blood, we're filled with your spirit. We're called the sons and daughters of God. And we have a big work on earth to do. We know that you are leading and guiding us and you are our provider. You are the door opener for all situations. But you have ordained in your word the method in which the church is to not survive but strive in this world I pray that this message gets a hold of every person in this building and even people that aren't here that maybe they know so that the finances can grow so that we can bless and reach into a world that is lost. And everybody say, Lord, thank you for letting me be a part of this. Let's put our Bibles down. One more time with all your might. Will you clap your hands to the Lord? He's worthy. Come on, that's it. Put them together. He's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. We love you. We praise you. We adore you. We magnify your name, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Well, bless you, you can be seated. I looked into my records, and the last time I actually taught a lesson on tithing was 2013. Shame on me. Because every third time Jesus opened his mouth, it was about money. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you have a problem with money. Now that problem might be because you don't have enough of it. <laughs> There's all kinds of problems that surround money. But I can be pretty safe by saying that there's not a person in this building, including the one that stands before you, talking. That don't have a problem with money. And the Lord Jesus Christ understood this. And it's one of the areas that he taught on 
so often over and over and over again. Because the Lord understands that wherever our treasure is, there also will our heart be, right? He understands that. So the Lord's not necessarily after your money. He's after your after your heart. But he knows in order to get your heart, he's got to control the other things in your life well that has such an impact in our life and in, uh, in our hearts. Amen. This is a giving church. However, I will tell you that not everyone in this building is faithful in tithe and offering. How do I know that? Because God's system is perfect. It doesn't, it doesn't fail. And when every member of a congregation is faithful in tithe and offering, the needs of that congregation will be provided for. Amen. Whatever size of a congregation that is, and there won't, would not have to be the, the struggling and, 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 and the shuffling around of figuring out who to keep and who to let go and where to give this and pull back here and uprise there. Not if everyone was faithful in tithe and offering. My goal is that the Pentecostals of the Palm, Palm Beaches, that every single member would pay tithe and give offering. Now let me assure you, as I do every time, your pastor is well taken care of. But if the tithing doubled tomorrow, my salary would not increase one dime. This is not about me making money. You take good care of me and my family. We eat good, we live good, we wear good, we drive good, we smell good. Everything's good. This isn't about pastor wanting to build a bigger house, or wear fancier clothes, or eat better meals. Not at all. I hope you know my heart by now. This is about being able to increase the ministry of the church so that it can do more. And it's about having the finances to impact the community more because that's what the church is about. And it is definitely about having our own building. I want our own building. It seems like every time I come to church, I got to deal with a different situation. Today, we got the curtains closed because they're preparing for some ungodly drama. I want my own building. Amen. And we don't have to sell peanut brittle to do that. I learned that from my pastor years ago. He took over church. Brother Quill took over church. Lord, help me get to my notes. I got hours in this. 
I can already feel in him pulling me off, rambling out here. Okay, I'll do whatever you want. My pastor, Brother Creel, what a guy. You know what they called him? They called him the wolf. His hair was white as snow. And when he'd get excited, he'd go, He, he could take any church service. It could be dead. And I remember one time he was preaching. I, actually, Brother Kershaw was preaching Louisiana Camp Meeting. Brother Kershaw was going home to be with the Lord. This is years ago, 30-something years ago. Kershaw was an elder. Incredible man, built an incredible church. But he was dry, boring. So he was preaching at a Louisiana Camp Meeting and... Uh, he was speaking, you know, and it was, it was dead as a doorknob. I mean, you, this is on Facebook. I, I don't know how many people still know Brother Kershaw. He's a great man. I love him. I, but that service was dead. He made the mistake. He turned around, handed that mic to my pastor at the time, uh, Pastor Creel, and said, Brother Creel, you got something to say? Bro. In 30 seconds, that place was wild. The noise was deafening. The worship, the shouts, the people running, shouting. And he was just a worship leader. And then Brother Kershaw took the mic from him after a few minutes and said, thank you. And set everybody down and continued. One of the things I learned from Brother Creel, he took over the church there in Westlake. He said, if you'll be faithful and you'll tithe an offering, we'll never have to make another peanut brittle again. Said, peanut brittle is not the will of God. He said, tithe and offering's the will of God. He said, God's not going to bless you because you make peanut brittle. God's going to bless you because you pay your tithe and offering." And he was right. And they built a beautiful church in Westlake. A beautiful church. It's still there today, pastored by an incredible man of God, Brother Stanton, and going on. Tithing offering is the method in which God has chosen to take care of his church. To provide for the ministry and to provide for everything that God has called the church to do in their city. And when you got a church our size, especially a church that is multicultural like we are, to whom much is giving, much is required. There's not a culture in this city we can't reach. There's not a person in this city that we can't reach. Because we, we represent everything right here that's in this city. What an incredible opportunity. And so we're going to talk a little bit here about tithe and offering. I want to talk about the history of tithing. And it's important that we understand that we understand that tithing did not begin with the law. Because if it began with the law, it ends with the law. But it didn't begin with the law. It was way back in the days of Abraham, made its way through, through the law, and continued on into the church. We read to you Genesis 14 and 20. So let's, 
Uh, let's continue. Tithing before the law. You ready? Okay, here we go. It is important that the church teaches the biblical reality and the biblical principles of tithing that is in the word of God. Matthew 6 and 21 says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Our tithing and giving, or lack of it, becomes an issue of the heart. Everybody put your hand on your heart. Becomes an issue of the heart. And it becomes an issue of relationship between you and Jesus Christ. Our text reveals that the first recording of tithing in the Bible was Abraham. Abram at this time called Abram had just won this battle where he had redeemed his brother Lot out of prison. He runs into uh, the priest whose name was Melchizedek, the king of Salem. The question is, why is this significant? Why is this so prevalent in the word of the Lord? Because this tithing of Abraham to Melchizedek precedes the law of Moses. By approximately 400 years, tithing did not begin in the Mosaic Law, nor did it end with the Mosaic Law. In fact, as time went by, we find that Abraham's grandson, Jacob, the one who in which the covenant would be fulfilled through, pledged a tenth unto his God as well. Genesis chapter 20, 28 and verse number 22. This was also long before the giving of the law. The law of Moses simply, listen, joined in with the practice of Abraham, Jacob, and other patriarchs of the word of God who received this incredible teaching and revelation from God himself. At one point, Israel was required to pay three tithe. How would you like that? Three tithe uh, that amounted to 23% of their income. Abraham taught us that we ought to give 10% by faith. Everybody say by faith. The law taught us that we are required to pay 10% as a minimum and also what God considered to be generous. But prior to the law, we find that faith without works is dead. And we cannot please God without faith, Hebrews 11 and 6. Our works are pleasing to God because it proves to him we have faith in his word one of Abraham's works the Bible reveals to us was tithing and we ought to do the works of Abraham the Bible tells us it appears from scripture that what Abraham did was simply give out of thanksgiving and faith and love back to his God what his God had already given unto him so we ask the question, why was it called a tithe? Well, tithe means one-tenth of the part of the whole. So how did Abraham know to give a tenth of his possessions? Who instructed him to do this? Where did he get this understanding of tithe? There is, no, there is not even a decimal system in the day of Abraham. If anything, it would have been a twelfth and not a tenth. 
So where did it come from? What was it that caused Abraham and Jacob and others to offer 10% a tithe to their God long before it became law? Well, when you study into the history of humanity, you will find out that many cultures, the Greek, the Romans and others were actually givers of 10% of their income. The question would be, where did this concept come from? How was it handed down through time? Was it was there some law in the day of Noah that maybe they were following? Or was it simply common sense? Was it possible that it, it came from some revelation unknown to man that flowed through time? I believe when we look into the word of the Lord, including uh, the Babylonians and even others in Egypt, we find that there was a common practice of paying time. Friend, I want to tell you where it came from. You can trace it all the way back to the beginning. You can go back to the very beginning when God looked at Adam and said, Adam, everything in this garden is yours, but you cannot touch that tree that's in the middle because the best is always mine and the first is always mine and there's always a portion that's given unto me before you enjoy anything else. Tithing isn't something that came up in the law. It's not something that came up with Abraham. It's not something that showed up with Jesus. Tithing given to God first. Giving God the best. Giving God our first fruits was established on the very beginning. Touch not the tree. Clap your hands to the Lord and give God praise. There is scripture found throughout the word of the Lord. Genesis makes it plain as we flow through the precious word of God. Genesis 26 and 5. Because that Abraham obeyed, watch me, Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge and my commandments, listen, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Now who's he talking to? He's talking to Abraham or about Abraham. This was before the law of Moses. We walk around thinking that the law of God appeared uh, 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 during the time of Moses when he came down from Mount Sinai with tablets. No, friend. The law of God was established when the breath of life was breathed in the first man. When he fell, God already had laws established which would govern. That's why he looked He looked at Abel or Cain and he said, Abel has brought the first fruits. Abel has brought the first but Cain I, I, I have no respect for your offering why is that God God looked at Cain and said don't question me Cain you already know why it is sin lieth at the door do what's right and you'll be okay how did he know because God had established a law from the very beginning don't 
don't bring me your second. Don't bring me your second best. Don't you bring me what's left over. Don't you bring me what you don't want before you touch anything, before you do anything. Because all you have, I gave it to you, God said. I blessed you with it. I'm the one that poured it out. I'm the one that gave it to you. I gave you the strength. I gave you the health. I gave you the job. I gave you the blessings. Before you touch anything, you give me what is mine. So we look at time where, you know, where did all of this come from? Obviously, there were laws that were established and rules. And even though we don't see them in tables of stone, it, it wasn't solidified into Moses. But it doesn't mean it didn't exist. They didn't dream it up out of the air. It wasn't something that some thought in their mind. No, no, my friend. No, it was taught to them of God. Genesis 18 and 19. For I know him, and he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to be justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. God said, I can bless Abraham. I can trust Abraham. How do you know that, God? Because he took out of his abundance and he cut off the best and he said, God, everything I have is because of you. I want to give back to you the best that is of mine. And God said, I can trust him. I can send him anywhere. I can do anything with him. If God cannot trust you with your money, he cannot trust you at all. You are untrustworthy to God. Tithing is not an option. It is the foundation of your relationship to Jesus Christ. Today as Christians, we are not known as the children of Moses. We are known as the children of Abraham. Because we are not the children of the law, we are the children of faith. We don't give because we have to. We give because we love him and we believe in him and we trust that he will never forsake us he'll never leave us without Galatians chapter 3 and verse 7 says know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham Jesus said that if we are the children of Abraham we'll do the works of Abraham John 8 and 39 it is clear to me that we are called to do the works of Abraham Abraham tithed to God 
long before he was circumcised. He didn't even wait until after the cutting off of the flesh. The moment he heard about God, the moment he had a relationship with God, he began to give 10% to him. I want to tell you, friend, whether you have the Holy Ghost or not, you're obligated by this word to pay your tithe. Whether you feel you're living for God or not, you're obligated by this word to pay your tithe and to give your offerings. Then the blessings of God will flow. That's the reason why there's so many people in this world who are so mightily blessed of God and they don't even know this truth. But they found out one truth. If I bless the kingdom, if I do my part, God will pour it out upon me. The first offering of the word of the Lord, Genesis 4, 4 through 5. Forgive me for my voice. And Abel, he brought the firstling of his flocks and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had no respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. But God told him, you have no excuse to be upset. You know what is right, he says to Cain. Where did he learn that? Was there these tables of stone? No. But we call it, man calls it the time of conscience when we were guided by our conscience. But I want to tell you something greater than that. God walked with Adam. We don't know how long he walked with Adam. It could have been a thousand years, a million years. You and I don't know how long they were in that garden. But he had a, Adam had a relationship with God. He learned the heartbeat of God, the things of God, the purpose of God. He knew all of these things and he passed them on to his children. From that day until this day, God does not accept just any offering. God accepts only. Somebody say only. He accepts only the first fruits. Our best efforts must be given to God. That's what our tithe is. It's our first fruits. And it's God is still requiring this of us today. Don't you understand what you're doing? When you receive blessings, it doesn't matter what it is, where it comes from, whether it's your job, whatever it is, when you receive that and you take your tithe and your offering and you give it to God and you bless, you are, you are putting the blessings and approval and protection and provision and everything else that God offers into your family, your marriage, your children. Don't rob God. You're not robbing God anyway. You're robbing yourself. You're robbing your marriage. You're robbing your family. You're robbing you. Clap your hands to the Lord. Give God praise. But I say tithing was before the law. Tithing was during the law. Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 through 12. I referred to these just a second ago. We find in the history of Moses. In, in the, the law 
of the children of Israel, the Mosaic law, that God required uh, several different types of tithe, several different types of <coughs> um, offerings. I don't have this in my note, but the, you want to talk about high interest. And nobody got high interest like God. If, if you spend God's money on something else, He charges you 20%. If your tithe was $100 and you bought bologna and barbecue potato chips with it because you like bologna and barbecue potato chip sandwiches with a little mustard, and you bought that with your tithe. When you repay, when you get, you get guilty, and pastor gets up and preaches on tithes once every eight years, and you get guilty, you can't say, Lord, here's that $100 I took from you. Oh, no. You owe him 120. 20% interest. It's the word. It's in the book. He said, you spend my tithe, don't you bring me my tithe back. You bring me my tithe and the icing. You owe me 20%. Tell your neighbor, just look at him, don't tell him anything. He might get offended. <clears throat> Malachi 8, 3 and 8. Will a man rob God? Ask your neighbor, will you rob God? Ask him. Will you rob God? Y'all think y'all can tap God on the left shoulder with a little prayer and rob him over here on the right. You didn't hear that. You thought you think you can tap God over here on this side with a little bit of works and a little prayer and a little something else and God will look over you and smile and while he's looking at you and smile, you reach behind his back and rob him of his tithe. It don't work that way. He's not, he's not dumb like us. He sees all things. Will a man rob God? He said, yet. I want to show you something here. He said, yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? And God answers, in tithe and offering. Ye are cursed with a curse. How many of y'all know somebody cursed? I can't tell you who it is. They're not in this church. But they're cursed. I've never seen someone make so much money and never have money in my life. Every dime they make, they have to spend it on something else. Because they know they experience this. They know tithe and offering is commanded of God. And they've walked away from God. They could have kept the blessings if they'd have just stayed faithful. But they walked away from everything. And they have nothing to show for their incredible job and labors. 
I will never deal with business with them. Because whatever they touch and you touch it with them, you're as cursed as they are. It will fall through. It will collapse. It will undo. I know, I've learned it the hard way. I've learned it the hard way. You're a curse with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. At this point in history, Israel, we find, listen, the whole nation is backslid from God again. Go figure. God actually confronts them and particularly and specifically speaks about how they are robbing him through tithe and offering. This question was asked me and you today. We would say never in a million years would we consider ourselves to be a robber of God. But some of you in this place know you are. You do not pay your tithe and you do not pay your offering. And some of you pay your tithe on what's left. You don't pay tithe after your taxes. You pay tithe before your taxes. You don't pay tithe after FP&L and after the mortgage. and at, No, it is your first fruits. Whatever that gross income is, it's 10% of that. God will take care of everything else if you'll be faithful. I know it got quiet, but it's the truth anyhow. How dare you bargain with God? God didn't create this government. He didn't create the tax system. Say, well, that's taxes. That's not my money. Yes, it is your money. That's why you are the one being taxed. It's your money. And they're taxing you on your gross, but you want to pay God on your net. Why don't you tell the government to tax you on your net? In fact, you'd get a break if you just pay your tithe and offering. Then you could, what do they call that? Deduct it. I've heard people say, I don't, I don't believe in deducting. I gave that to God. I don't believe in it. Listen, deduct it. Don't keep it. Give it to me. I'll put it to good use. Turn in your tax money. Get your refund. Turn the check over. and Sign it over to the church. <laughs> if you don't believe in getting the money back. Now you got it twice. You have to pay your tithes two times. Turn it over and sign it and say, put this in missions. Put this in. Tell us where to put it. We'll put it. Hmm. I want you to stay with me here. So God says, you have robbed me of tithe and offering. God tithes the tithe to the moral law which never changes. It was wrong to steal from day one. It's wrong to steal today. It was wrong to be a murderer from day one. It's wrong to be a murderer today. It was wrong to lie from day one. It's wrong to lie today. God linked tithing to the moral law. 
If you don't tithe, you're a robber. And no thief, the Bible says, will enter into heaven. So let me answer the all-time question. Yes, non-tithers will go to hell. Well, that one about blew everything out. The devil didn't like that one. That's right. You can't rob God and go to heaven. It's not going to happen. So let me just put it plain to you. You cannot be a non-tither and expect to walk into the kingdom of God. How are you going to have the privilege to enjoy what God has built for you when you were never willing to invest anything while you were here on earth for his kingdom? I am going to hate myself this afternoon. There was these. There was these three guys. One of them was poor. One of them mediocre. One of them was wealthy. And uh, they all three get to heaven. And Peter brings one of them through the gate. and Shows him this big old mansion. The poor guy. Big old mansion. He said, Lord, why do I deserve something so great? He said, well, you were faithful. You were faithful. And then the mediocre guy, you know, showed him this big old mansion. The wealthy guy's thinking, man, I can't wait to see mine. Brings him to the corner, and there's this little old shack. Roof's leaking. It's falling apart. He's like, God, this is all I get. He said, son, I did the best I could with what you sent me. I just thought I'd try to lighten the load. If if y'all can see y'all's faces, it's got to be God for me to even be able to stand up here and not hide behind that curtain. Preach this from behind the curtain. God attaches the moral law to tithing. God goes on to say, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Our own laws of this nation, our own laws that given to us, the wonderful nation, state that we cannot rob or steal. The moral law is still in effect and always will be. Malachi chapter 3, let's continue. He says, though, bring in all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. Let me tell you, there is a special anointing when there is a church that is faithful in tithe and offering. God honors that church with his spirit and moves mightily upon those people which is why I thank God the majority of us are faithful. But if I could get the rest of you, including the young people, if I could get everybody on board, there's no telling what we could do in this city. Malachi says, bring you all the tithes. Everybody say all. 
all the tithes into the storehouse that they may be meat in my house. Prove me now herewith saith the Lord of hosts if I will not open you the windows of heaven pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He shall not destroy the fruits of your ground neither shall your vine cast your fruit before the time in the field saith the Lord of hosts and all nations shall call you blessed for ye shall be a delightful land saith the Lord of hosts there was tithing before the law there was tithing during the law and there's tithing after the law Romans chapter 4 verse number 12 and the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only but who also walk in the steps that faith of our father Abraham which he had been yet uncircumcised the Bible says he walked in faith and that verse Paul's tying that back to his tithing to Melchizedek we are called to walk in the same steps as our father Jesus endorses the works of Abraham John 8 39 and they answered and said unto him Abraham is our father Jesus saith unto them if ye were Abraham's children ye would do the works of Abraham Paul admonishes us to follow in the steps of our father Abraham and Jesus also endorsed his works then we also ought to walk in the steps of our father Abraham because it is a New Testament commandment. There are many that teach that tithing was abolished with the Mosaic law, but it's not true. Nowhere in scripture can you see this. However, I can show you scripturally where tithing flowed into the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse starting with verse number 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, of all first, being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is the king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither begun in the days nor of life, end of life and, and made like unto the son of God abideth a priest continually now consider how great this man was unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of his spoils now notice the subject that Paul chooses in the relationship between Abraham and Melchizedek there was a hundred other subjects he could have chose but he chose the subject of tithing. And he goes on to say, and verily, and verily, they that are of the sons of Levi who receive the office of priesthood have a commandment to take tithe of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descendant is not counted from them received tithe of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here men that die receive tithe. But there he receiveth of whom it is witness that he liveth. And here men that die 
receive tithe. Who's he talking about? Stick around another 50 years and you'll find out. He talking about me. I'm going to die. But I receive tithe. Not for my sake. I die. The tithe flows through the ministry unto the Lord who dieth not. That means everything that you do for the kingdom of God and everything that you do for the ministry and everything that you do to see God's kingdom grow, it will never fade away. It is forever held in heaven as a record and a blessing towards you. It doesn't matter who dies on this earth. It's not about us. It's about him. Put your hands together for the Lord. that liveth is Jesus Christ we give our tithe to him that lives Christ Matthew 23 and 23 woe unto the scribes and the Pharisees and the hypocrites or ye hypocrites for ye pay tithe of men and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law judgment mercy faith these ought ye have to done what are the these the tithing he didn't say, don't tithe. He said, you're right. You should tithe. But don't forget the other matters of mercy and love and judgment and faith. Don't leave the others undone. Since Jesus paid tithes, he instructed the Pharisees to do so. Then obviously each of us should do it as well. Abraham first gave Melchizedek on the behalf of the Lord. Melchizedek, king of Salem. Listen, follow me. And also the priest of the Most High God. Look at Hebrews chapter 7. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, the priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him to whom also Abraham gave a tenth of all. From the very first mention, I'm coming to a close. From the very first mention of tithe in Genesis chapter 14 and verse number 20 to the last mention of tithe in Hebrews 7 and 9, tithe has always been God's plan to support the church. Put your hands together. <laughs> Ushers, I want you to get ready. In paying of the tithe to Melchizedek, God demonstrated that the tithe is only properly paid to him when it is paid in the representation of his kingdom. God said, now you need to follow me on this because some of you are deceived. And pastor practices this, by the way. We'll have young men go to college and the college says, some of your tithes stay there. The rest of you send back to your pastor at home. I said, don't you dare send me your tithe. I'm not preaching to you. Whoever that man is that's feeding you, that's where your tithe goes. That's the Bible. That's the word of the Lord. I have people live here and they'll go away for a few months. And then I'll receive their tithe. I collect it. And then I'll call them up. I say, don't you tithe to me. Are you going to church? Yes, sir. Then that's where your tithe goes. It goes into the storehouse where you're eating. I'm not going to rob from that man or God. If he's feeding you and you're being blessed, that's where your tithe goes. Everybody say, into the storehouse. <clears throat> Doesn't go to a television evangelist. 
He's not going to bury your children, marry your daughter, or pray for you when you're sick. You're throwing your money away when you do that, and you're robbing yourself of what God wants to do for you in the house of God. If you don't pay your tithe and offering, when you come into the house of God, you've got no right to anything. He said, bring your tithe into the storehouse, into my house, so that there will be meat to eat. If you don't pay your tithe and offering, you've got no right to anything that takes place in this house. No right to his blessings, no right to his healings, no right to anything. You say, well, that's hard preaching. No, that's just preaching. Your pastor preaches the truth. I don't care what subject it is. I'm not hiding from you or me. I'm judged by God. And I have to preach His Word. And His Word says, you bring your tithe and offering so that there's meat to eat. So that when the preacher begins to preach, you're open to be fed and to be strengthened. When the blessings are being poured out, your portion is in there. It don't matter if you're, listen, listen, it's the beauty about God. That's why God goes on percentage, not amount. It don't matter to God whether it's $5 or $5,000 that goes into the basket during tithe and offering time. What matters to God is that it was 10%. And if it was 10% plus offering and the other things that we do, God bless you, he'll continue to bless you in there. Then when all the blessings are being poured out, it, it, you get it, it's all poured out evenly. The $5,000 giver over here don't get all while you're over there getting you a little bit. No, if you paid your tithe and offering, you're receiving the same blessing, the same promise, the same outpouring as any and everybody else in the building. That's the beauty about God. He's not a respecter of persons. I know, baby, I'm crying too. It's always been God's plan to support the church and the ministry through tithe and offerings, how it works. You don't give your money to these crazy people. They're not even preaching truth. They don't even know who God is. The Lord says, if someone of false doctrine comes up to you, he said, don't bless them. Don't, don't bid them Godspeed. Don't invest into something that's spreading false doctrine. Whew. And y'all were the easy ones to pastor to. I can't imagine someone preaching this somewhere where they got a bunch of mean people. You're all just a bunch of loving fluffy teddy bears the tithe always went to the ministry never any exception who in turn then were able to continue the work of the Lord and to ministry tithing began before the law it was endorsed during the law and it was endorsed by Jesus after the law nowhere's in the Bible did we find a new plan to support the ministry when I say ministry, I'm talking about the church. 
Tithing has always been and always will be God's financial plan to provide for his work. Nothing else will ever work. He will not allow a church to, I'm talking about his church. I'm not talking about the other stuff out there. I'm talking about his, doc, his teachings, his doctrine, his church. Born again, Acts 2.38, one God believer, separated from the world. The only thing the world really sees is us. The rest of the religious world just blends in. They don't even know they're Christians unless somehow they stumble across it. But you and I, they know. They sense it, see it, every fashion. I'm talking about you and me. We're held to a higher standard. Oh, yes, we are. Because we're his. It's a higher standard. And he's not going to let me and you get away with anything. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is. It's the plan. There is no other method. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Are you enduring? Who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Who feedeth a flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also? Paul said, I'm not saying this for my sake. He said, I'm talking to you about the word of God, the law. For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth not God take care for oxen? Or saith he altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and that he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of, of his hope. And if we have sown Unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? If others be partakers of this power over you, or not we rather? You know what he's saying? If the government has a right to take from you, if your mortgage has the right to take from you, and the list goes on, Paul says, does not God have the greatest right of all? Who gave you everything that you have? To take from you. Now I'm reading to you straight from the word. Is that okay? If others be partakers of this power over you. Or not we rather. Nevertheless we have not used this power. But suffered all things. Lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. And I'm going to stop and tell you exactly what Paul just said. He said I have a right. To 100% of the tithe. He said, but I, I don't take it. Because the church couldn't strive. You gave up on Facebook, brother? Thank God. He said, because the church couldn't strive if I did. My wife and I lived on 23% of the tithe last year. The other, whatever, I don't know, 100 minus 23 is what? The other 77% of tithe we gave back 
to the church. That's what Paul's saying. Because if we didn't do that, we couldn't have this building. We couldn't do the things we do as a church. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, according to the law, I have right to every dime of the time. And I can do with it what I want. It's my business, me and God. That's what Paul's saying. He said, but if I did, I'd hinder the work of the Lord. I'm not going to do that. Because my soul, mind, and body is about God's kingdom. And I just want you to know that your pastor is the same way. Now, I did start three years ago putting a retirement. I'm 55 years old. Somehow, I've got a funny feeling that when I retire, if I call you up and ask you for your tithe, you're not going to give it to me. So i got to figure out a little retirement. So we've been putting a little bit aside. Not a whole lot. Are you done? You ready for me to quit? I'm just kidding. you got to love it. I've always wanted to say that. Okay. Because I am almost done. I'm almost, almost done. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? The worst thing you could ever do is get a bad attitude about how God blesses me and my family. Because I am blessed because I give. That's why I'm blessed. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live by the gospel. Let's stand. Even though Paul doesn't actually use the word tithe there, we know that's exactly what he's talking about. Referring back to the law. It's what the priests lived off of. God commanded it of the people to bring your tithe. I want my ushers to come. That's just about covenant. You don't need none of that. I study all that more for me than I do for you. Because I want you to know, I want to know when I preach to you that I'm not making something up. I want to be, I want to be in the word. Now, church, there's a method for this church to prosper. For us to be able to help the poor when they're needed. Support our missionaries. It shouldn't be that... pastor has to go to bed at night worried about the accounts y'all know y'all know we missed four services right 
during the storm. Two Sundays and two Wednesdays. No income. I'm not talking about pastor. I'm talking about the church. You know how God took care of us? Not because you were faithful. And I know that was mean. But when we got back here the following third week, there should have been three weeks of offerings in one offering. You shouldn't have spent your offerings. You should have saved them. Your tithe and your offering should have been collected. And you should have come to the house of God and gave three weeks. But you didn't. Our offering was a little more than normal. There was a few faithful that paid their tithe. But the majority of you just decided that those two weeks were free. You know how devastating that was to this church financially? So God pulled one man out of the crowd and blessed him one week before the storm hit. That man paid $25,000 in tithe one week before the storm hit. You know how much of that tithe your pastor got? Zero. Not a dime. Didn't want it. Didn't need it. My point is, it all belonged to me. I'm just going to tell you like it is. I chose turn that money into this church not knowing I say I chose God struck me down and beat me and ripped my limbs off and tore me apart and tortured me and dipped me in alcohol and eventually I said okay that's a better description of what happened but I didn't know that we were fixing to go two weeks with no income and that money is what carried this church through for two weeks, four services, without a dime coming in. And if it wasn't for that, I don't know what we would do. So God knows how to take care of his church. And that man will be blessed. I want my ushers to come down. Now, whether you give or not, everybody's going to walk. Because I don't want you to know who's guilty. I am giving you an opportunity to pay your tithe.